Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So I got Allie Eichmann in studio with me tonight. And, oh, hey. uh, I, if, if that doesn't mean anything to you, she's, uh, I, is it fair to call you a millennial? I am a millennial. I'm a quintessential millennial. Well, there you go. So I, I shouldn't even be shy about it. If you're quintessential <laughs> yes, I am. of all things. So literally moments, it, it, the only thing that stopped us from continuing the conversation was the fact that I have a radio show and it's starting. <laughs> uh, we were talking about how amongst millennials, apparently, and I thought this was just a thing because I got a, a cousin-in-law who's about your age. Yep. He uses the term fake news just as a slang to signify like something he disagrees with or something yeah. that's that's posing or pretending or whatever. Oh, that's fake news. Yeah, that's I do it all news. the time. And my sister tweeted at me yesterday about how I said something about her and she said fake news. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, it's apparently, great. Apparently it's great. that's a that's a whole statement, just those two words now. Trump has news. changed our culture. That's amazing. <laughs> Closing argument. My name is Walter Hudson, Twin Cities News Talk, AM eleven thirty, one oh three five FM. TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com and your iHeartRadio app, two ways to stream the program. We are here 9 to 11 weeknights. Appreciate you joining us. As always, you can catch up on the podcasts at Spreaker.com or utilizing your Spreaker app. Just do a search there for closing argument. Brad Omlin taking your calls and producing the show, 651-989-5855 to join us. As I mentioned at the top, Allie Eichmann joining us in studio Allie, I, you know, I know I invited you, but, and this, so this question might seem a little weird, but who are you and why are you here? <laughs> that is a weird question, but I get it all the time. Um, I am Allie Eichmann, like Walter said, and I am the state chair of the Young Republicans in Minnesota, which is we're a group that gets young people aged 18 to 40 involved in the GOP in the state. So how's that going? It's surprisingly well. I was a little concerned, and I've been involved for a bit now trying to get young people involved. I was involved in the college Republicans when I was still in college up until, like, 2015. And we've had a surge of membership recently in the past couple of months, which is exciting. Yeah, really exciting. In the past couple of months? Yeah, like since maybe— Do you have any sense of what— the impetus for that is well i mean i was elected in april so i'm sure it had something to do with that no um um no it's it started kind of in the beginning of the year i think after the election a lot of people were just done with politics because it was a lot of politics for a long time but kind of trump since trump took office in january it's like we've had a like we've been growing immensely we're starting a couple new chapters so this is fascinating to me just who 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 are these people <laughs> like what what is the the person who's like yes young republic what do they look like um all all sorts of people there are people like me who are just activists and already involved but then there are people who are young professionals who want a group of friends who aren't screaming about at them about Trump. Right. And <laughs> so they so it's a safe space. Yeah, it's sort saying. of a safe space for co- young conservatives. Nice. But there's also like 
we have uh, chapters that are starting in rural areas in the state. And in southern Minnesota, quite a number of chapters are starting. And we have more people reaching out to us from wow. southern Minnesota who want to get involved. Sure. And they're a little bit more traditional Republican. Now, what was the, I know that you can be 40. Yeah. And I'm, I'm keenly aware of that because that clock is ticking. On me. <laughs> I, I think I, you, I might end up writing you a check by the end of the day just to Perfect. be able to claim that I'm, I'm young. Uh, but what what was the the minimum that you have to be eighteen? Eighteen. So you can yeah. be eight. So you could. So what's the? And this is might be boring. I don't know. But what's the relationship, if any, between the college Republicans and the young Republicans? Can you be both at the same yeah. time? Yeah, you can be both at the same time. Um, typically, in the past, what we've done as the young Republicans is we've kind of given up that age group to the college Republicans. Gotcha. Um, and we support them in certain ways. But um, most of our membership is that young professional age, which is like mostly like late 20s to mid 30s. That's the bulk of our membership is right in there. And I'm one of the youngest people who's I'm actually the youngest person on our board. And I and the chair. Yeah. And the chair. Wow. (laughs) I know. (laughs) So how what was your your pitch, your campaign for becoming chair of the Young Republicans? Um, I was the deputy chair the year before. And the chair wasn't running for re-election. That was a lot of it. No one ran against me. So it turned out well. If it hadn't, that would have been very disappointing. Yeah, that's kind of like how I became a city council member in Elberville. (laughs) Yeah. There was literally nobody running. Yeah, so, like, I'm very passionate about the organization. So when our previous chair, Adam Seidel, he's actually on a school board in Eden Prairie, um, he... Wasn't going to run for re-election, and then everyone was like, Allie, cool, who's going to be deputy then? Right. So I decided to move up and run for chair. So with with your your occupation, or at least your, your uh, what do they call that, your... This what, is my hobby. Yeah, I know, I, know, I, know, I know it's your hobby, but there's a particular word that is, isn't particularly important right now, but I really wish I knew because Vocation? I, yeah, 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 something along those lines. Um. Obviously, you're tuned in, you're plugged in to what it is that young people generally care about. Yeah. And I happen to know because we our circles of influence overlap somewhat that uh, the the young Republicans actually have a relatively cordial social relationship with young Democrats. Yeah, we do. There's, um, a, there's a lot of social crossover there. So generally speaking, my, my before we get into breaking that down at all, is just what is it that young people are caring about right now? Like if you could pick the top three issues— Or just top three concerns doesn't have to be specific. Uh, Yeah. So uh, one of the top concerns, especially going into the 2016 election, but since then it's been similar, is we don't trust the people in power. And I've noticed this on both sides. um, And you saw that in the election turnout. And since then, why a lot of people who weren't supporting Trump at first, a lot of younger people who hadn't been supporting Trump for various reasons and still now have some issues with some of his uh, policy stances, they support him in the sense that they know what he's going to do. So I don't know if that's good or bad, but... Neither do I. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But um, that's a big thing for a lot of people right now. They don't trust politicians. I mean, the other day, what was it, yesterday, Kid Rock said he was running for Senate in Michigan, which is not a—he's serious, I think. But um, (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. So he's serious, right? as it would appear. Yeah. But a he's lot of He's sincere. Let's sincere. use the word sincere. Okay, I don't like the word serious better, in relation to this. That's a, that's but a better word. But sincere works. But okay. a lot of young people that I've seen all over the country got really excited. Sure. Right. Because we're into celebrities and yep. everything being connected and knowing everything about their lives. Right. As well as them being very, very open with us. Yeah, I think we've we've crossed a point at which we're not going back. You know, no. the, the, to me, this <laughs> is going back now. This this is like the 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 advent of television and the impact that it had on politics after the Nixon Kennedy debate, where the the type of candidacy that you saw after there was a television in every home yeah. was totally different than what had come before, and th- that's where we're at now with social media. And uh, the the culture of reaction being what it is and where it is, we're not going back to, you know, stuffy old men who've been doing this for 30 years running for president of the United States. No. I, I mean, they'll still try. They but, will try. But I don't think they're going to meet with the There's success. There's always going to be a Jeb Bush. <laughs> <laughs> there will always be somebody asking you to clap. Yeah, please clap. Right? But, uh, no, I, I think, like, for instance, uh, Kid Rock. I have, I I know that he identifies as conservative Republican. That's all I know about him. I don't know much about his politics. No. Dwayne the Rock Johnson is rumored to be a potential. Also, Mark Zuckerberg running yeah, for president. Right. And none of these. You know, if you'd asked me, if you'd have thrown these names at me, I don't know, two years ago, even as as short as two years ago, I might have scoffed and said, "Nah, that's a joke. It's not going to happen." But now it, the, all bets are off. And, yeah. and I think these, these celebrity candidacies are actually more in tune with where the culture is at and where our politics is at. For, for in no short, short reason or no small reason due to what you just cited, the, and it's not just young people, but certainly amongst young people, a distaste for the status quo, a distaste for politics as usual, and we're just wanting to mix things up. Well, and I remember I made a joke, and this was before anyone announced for this cycle, so it was probably 2014 or early 2015. And I made a joke about how I would support Kanye West if he ran for president. And now I'm concerned he might. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. I don't want to vote for him. <laughs> but it was a joke, and now it's not. These things are real. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. They're absolutely. Well, because a, a, that's the thing. Trump, Trump is a for better or worse. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details worst turning point in history and and it can go either way i mean yeah. there, there are a lot of things that trump has has modeled in terms of his method of engagement through social media mm-hmm. uh, his defiance of the status quo uh, his his narrative forming that completely undercuts and circumvents the mainstream media all of that can be used for good all of that can be used well in order to promote good ideas and good policy uh but i i think i we just have to find the right person. We have to find the right person. And and right now I'm concerned that the celebrity candidacies are going to be a natural logistical fit to this style of candidacy. Mm-hmm. And that what's going to be lacking is the, the kind of policy and ideological substance that I somebody like me and I assume somebody like you would like to see. Well, yeah, definitely. I think one of the problems, too, is 
for for me as a Republican, there's not a lot of celebrities who are Republicans. That's true. So we're going to be stuck with some interesting people. James Woods. James Woods for president. Uh, uh, I, why can't I think of his Ted name? Nugent. Ted Nugent. Scott uh, Bayo, Charles yeah. in charge. Yeah, right. For yeah. real now. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised that you, you even get that reference, Charles. I live a lot in the past. I got you. All right. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean there are conservatives out there, but they're going to have to. It, it, it'll it'll be interesting to see if there is this sort of politicization of Hollywood that takes place in the wake of the Trump phenomenon. It, it'll be interesting to see to what extent it polarizes Hollywood. Like, are we going to see people come out of the woodwork who weren't identifying politically before, but now see an opportunity to to fill a niche that now exists? Uh, if this celebrity to politician crossover, it That'd could make things re- really interesting. I would rather, and I might regret this later, but I would rather have a politician crossover to a celebrity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, make them into that, but then they might turn up on, like, Celebrity Big Brother or something weird like that, because I know that's happened in the U.K. before, and it was weird, and it didn't turn out well. Well, Rick Perry tried it with Dancing with the Stars. Oh, yeah, I totally forgot about that. So, it's a dream come true. (laughs) Dreams do come true. (laughs) Closing argument, my name's Walter Hudson, Allie Eichmann, cheer of Minnesota Young Republicans in studio with me tonight. We've uh, we've heard enough about you, Allie. Now we're going to talk about the news for the rest of the program. That's fine. I have to imagine that uh, one of the issues that's important to young people is health care. Not necessarily because of the immediate needs that young people have, because in the health care department, they, they ain't many. Yeah. But, but just because, you know, especially those of you who are plugged into an organization like the Young Republicans, you're, you're thinking about the future. You're thinking about your future. You're thinking about the future of the country and public policy generally. Mm-hmm. So there's probably something you have some thoughts on. And I, I got to imagine, I, let's put, maybe I'm projecting too much hope, but I got to imagine that there are some thoughts that you guys might have on the subject that aren't necessarily being articulated in the, the mainstream discourse at this time. Closing argument, my name is Walter Hudson. Allie Eichmann, chair of the Minnesota Young Republicans, in studio with me tonight. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM, 651-989-5855. From Reuters, Senate Republican leaders released on Thursday a revised plan to dismantle the Obamacare law, so they say. But it drew criticism from senators on both sides of the political divide within the Republican Party, indicating a treacherous path for the bill. The bill played to the party's disparate factions by letting insurers sell cheap, bare-bones policies while retaining taxes on the wealthy. But the immediate outcry illustrated the difficult political terrain that U.S. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell must navigate. He is under pressure by President Donald Trump to pass a health care bill and make good on Republicans' seven-year mission to gut Democratic former uh, President Barack Obama's signature legislative achievement. So, I mean... (laughs) I, I welcome any general thoughts you may have, Allie, on the state of this debate, the state of where Republicans are at with with the, their attempts to do something on health care. But generally or, or specifically, I, I want to start off with with this question. What to your mind is more important, getting something passed or getting something specific passed? I don't even know at this point because I would prefer to get something decent passed. That's, that, but that, that's splitting the baby. That's, that's asking a lot 
I've found in recent months. Well, and that's how, upsetting. When you, I mean, you're using the word decent, and and perhaps you're you're uh, attempting to avoid stepping on toes. <laughs> but how how would you define what does a decent healthcare bill look like? Well, I think the thing is, especially for young people, what's happening right now is it just costs too much, and we're required to get it. Right. Which is, I wouldn't have health care if I didn't think I needed it. Right. And I'm young and healthy enough, and I know that I'm not invincible, and that's going to bite me in the butt later. Sure. But I being forced to buy it was a huge problem with the original bill. Uh-huh. And, but... We want to be able to have access to something cheaply, have some sort of cheap option, because a lot of us are not making money. We are drowning in debt, and we're barely making ends meet, even though we have a decent job out of college. Mm -hmm. So we want to be able to have something if we want it, but not pay an arm and a leg for it. But that's not something that's being offered. Do do you have any personal sense of what kinds of policy changes could manifest in cheaper options that do more because that seems i mean that's whatever for instance mitch mcconnell in his quote here in this article from reuters is the american people deserve better than the pain of obamacare they deserve better care and the time to deliver that to them is next week the implication there being that their bill is going to result in better care which to me seems like an odd claim because first of all mm-hmm. it's it's going to be demonstrable one way or the other whether or not they're getting better care or not and there's no way you're, there's going to be anecdotes this, yeah. this is what i don't understand about the strategic approach to this is no matter what you do and no matter the merits of what you do mm-hmm. there are going to be anecdotes of because this bill passed such and such lost got kicked off their health care plan or or lost their health care however you want to characterize it and then they got cancer and they died you know, well, or... that's that's a part of having a product that's available for people. And if the government gets involved in all of that, then people, however we move the ticker, someone's going to lose something. If we move it back, someone's going to gain something. And that's just the way it is. And, and see, that comment, that observation that you just made mm-hmm. has more insight in it than anything I'm hearing out of the Senate in Washington, D.C. right now. Because what you're acknowledging there is that the the what's what we should be focusing on is not the effect of policy on specific individual people, but mm-hmm. rather whether or not the policy is doing what it's supposed to be doing. Well, if we did that for any policy across the board, any political, any legislation, then every piece of legislation that has ever happened or passed is a failure because right. someone's been adversely affected by it. Right. Well, and it's it's you th- what's more important than whether or not there's an adverse effect is why like what is the what's the source of mm-hmm. the adversity because i got news for you life has adversity in it right and if the obje- if, if the promise i know you're not personally familiar with it <laughs> but if if the promise of your policy or your election strategy or campaign or whatever is to promise people a life without adversity your disappointment is inevitable like you're you're inevitably going to end up, and I think a lot. You talked at the outset about how a lot of folks are, the young folks that you're familiar with, are fed up with the status quo, fed up with politicians that they don't trust politicians. Mm-hmm. I think a large part of the reason why people don't trust politicians is because politicians, cycle after cycle, session after session, continue to promise the impossible 
and then, of course, not deliver because it's impossible. Well, I had a number of friends of mine who are Democrats who, during the primary, went and saw Bernie Sanders speak when he came to Minnesota. And I went with them because yeah. I thought that would be fun. Sure. Um, and after that, they liked what he was saying, but they said he can't deliver on this. And they ended up caucusing for Hillary. They liked Bernie Sanders more. They didn't trust Hillary. Right. They ended up voting for her because they were tired of being promised things that they're never going to get. Yeah, and they had some experience of that with uh, Barack Obama. <laughs> uh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> From the Star Tribune, health legislation moving toward a vote in the U.S. Senate would reverse gains made in insurance coverage and drive up costs for all Minnesotans. The CEOs of two of the state's largest health care companies said in an interview Thursday, and it goes on to detail their remarks. It, it, it's interesting to me that the, the media trots out uh, the authorities, credentialed people, doctors, CEOs of healthcare providers and whatnot to testify as to the adverse effects. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. That this or any given proposal is going to have on their industry, their customers, what have you, without any, any anywhere pausing to consider, did they perhaps have a personal interest in the stake of the outcome? Because what? What, what Obamacare did is it guaranteed their customer base. Mm -hmm. So why would you take as gospel the assessment of somebody who stands to lose? Like, they stand to lose financially. That's what this is. Well, and I think the thing is, with that at least, maybe it brings you hope, but young people don't care. A lot of young people, and I'm kind of generalizing, but it, the millennial generation, if they read that in an article, they don't care who that expert is. It doesn't matter because they're assume they're being lied to. Mm. They believe YouTube stars more than what's ever on that piece of paper, which mm. is. I don't know whether to take hope from that. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was to like. be terrified. I mean, and what's interesting is that I don't watch all of these YouTube stars who talk about politics because I'm involved in politics, but my sister does. Uh -huh. And um, there's a person named Philip DeFranco who does these short videos breaking down things and trying to be as honest as possible. And I've mentioned him to my non-political friends who watch his videos. Mm. And they trust him more than anyone on CNN or Fox News or anything. When we come back, I, I want to focus on that for just a little bit because I think there is uh, some gold in them, their hills. Closing argument, <laughs> my name is Walter Hudson. Ali Eichmann, chair of the Minnesota Young Republicans, in studio with me tonight. 651-989-5855 if you have a question or comment for her or me. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM, Before we went to break, our in-studio guest, Ali Eichmann, the chair of the Minnesota Young Republicans, made the point that a lot of folks her age, a lot of millennials, have more trust in YouTube stars, YouTube commentators, than they do in the uh, the credentialed authorities that are often cited as uh, commentators on your favorite fill-in-the-blank 
television news program, you know, people with uh, PhDs next to their name or who hold titles like CEO or whatever the case may be. Those, those people are assumed to be lying by the young. Politicians are assumed to be lying by the young. And there's more credibility in uh, somebody who you know, just takes to the digital air of YouTube and tells it like it is yep. than there is in uh, somebody who has an official sanitized opinion. I want to I wanna bounce off that to speculate as to what a potential future candidacy might look like. This is Closing Argument. My name is Walter Hudson, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM, 651-989-5855, the number to join us. I think that Trump, we talked earlier about how Donald Trump's candidacy marks a turning point in the way that certainly presidential politics, but I think all electoral politics going forward uh, is potentially going to look. I think it's going to incorporate much more interactivity. You know, gone are the days of the, the, the team of consultants sitting in a room figuring out their communication strategy that's going to be dictated through. I mean, that stuff's still going to happen. But, but it's you, going to be very different. Yeah, because you you have you can't you're not going to be able to insulate yourself from the Twitterverse. No, you have to you have to have Twitter. Yeah, you're going to have to, and you're going to have to be on social media, and you're going to have to engage on social media, and even things like fundraising and online fundraising is going to be much more interactive and not just an ask, but building a relationship with the 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 voter with the person you're emailing so it's going to be very different well and what strikes me is you know a lot of people and i've fallen into this trap myself from time to time uh, are i don't know if degrading is the right term but skeptical we'll use that skeptical of the democratization of communication and this is coming from blogger right (laughs) from a guy from a guy who came from blogging um, in terms of social media and Twitter and the access that people have to, to a worldwide stage at their fingertips at all times of the day, we all have that access. We are all on an equal level in terms of potential audience uh, over the Internet. And as, as a result, I think one of, the, one of the positive, deeply, deeply positive aspects of that is that you can't really get away with BS anymore. You no. can't. because and, that, and that's the thing is when I talk about the campaign strategy – Campaign strategies have very often uh, been focused on creating narratives and then kind of having having a uh, more volume and mm-hmm. a, a greater platform from which to dispense that narrative and therefore drown out any potential criticism. Those days are gone. Like if you put something out on Twitter, everybody's going to come at you with their interpretation and reaction to it. So it better be right. And if you're lying or you're wrong, yeah. you're going to have 50 people immediately commenting right. about how wrong you are. You could be right and someone's still going to say that. That's right. That's right. But it's more participatory right. than ever before. Right. And so what I'm getting at is, you know, your observation that uh, the the YouTube star with their their sense of authenticity Mm-hmm. And their 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 willingness to call it like they see it is a more trusted figure than the politician or the the media luminary or whatever the case may be. I think the reason for that, I think people are less concerned with whether or not somebody is right or wrong in terms of the thing, everything that they come out that comes out of their mouth being factually correct, than they are with the person being sincere, yeah. with, with the person actually believing what they're saying. And and not trying to spin it in some, with some sort of ulterior motive. 
Yeah. And the thing is, a, a lot of people have their own bias on, like, the people I was mentioning before, YouTube stars and this and that. They they have their own beliefs. They're coming from a place, sometimes of their own bias. But if they're honest about it and they say, hey, I'm a liberal, but here's what I think on this because of this, or that wasn't fair, or my side wasn't fair in this, or maybe we were fair on this. I think that matters a lot more now than just bias did in the past. And so the question becomes, how long is it going to take for candidacies to recognize what we just said and then structure themselves accordingly? Because the, the, the political class has a horrific track record of catching up with the culture. Gen- oh, back, yeah. back when it was slow, back when the culture <laughs> ticked, 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 now it's like a spinning you know, fan how quickly things move, and they're not keeping up. I think it's going to take some time, obviously, but some campaigns are already starting to catch on. I think they're fumbling through it. But th- then you see these, these, these consulting firms that are digital. They used to be PR, communications, kind of traditional communications, but now they're digital agencies. Right. And everything they're doing is messaging in a way that's very different than anything even 10 years ago. Brad and I were kicking around the uh, the notion. Uh, I think Neil Lynch might have been in here too. I can't I can't remember exactly what the circumstances were, but we were kicking around the the prospect of essentially the the reality show candidacy, mm-hmm. and and Trump is certainly prototypical of that in terms of the, the his engagement on social media and just the general sensibility and the character mm-hmm. that he is. You know, I, I, I'm tempted to use the word portrays, but I think that's genuinely who he is. He's, <laughs> he's that character, uh, a reality show character. And he brought that to his to his candidacy. But even before that happened, you know, I, I kind of saw on the horizon due to the emergence of social media, the, the potential for a, a, a future candidacy for president and potentially for lower offices, governor, Senate, whatever the case may be, to take on a kind of a reality show tenor and not in a and, and i'm not talking about in a kind of a an exploitive no sort of not like jerry know, spring yeah not in like an entertainment yeah. form but kind of and we kind of saw this i don't know if you've seen the most uh recent um season of house of cards no but, i but haven't <laughs> they, they kind of modeled this a little bit mm-hmm. in, in terms of the one of the characters the, the the challenger to frank underwood um does he he's one of his stunts during the election is he stays up 24 hours and takes calls on Skype basically mm-hmm. you know and we haven't seen that in the real world but i think we're getting to that point i think that we're getting to a point where people are going to start to have more uncensored unfiltered inter- interactions that are going to require them to be fast on their feet to be quick on the on their step and to and be able to act agilely yeah, and the type of candidate who's going to be successful in that is going to be very different than yes. anyone in the past. Right. So we're going to have a whole new crop of politicians because they need different personality traits than they yeah, did right. in the past. Yeah, right. I mean, even if you look at um, Austin Peterson, he's running for Senate in Missouri. He's a former libertarian, ran for president as a libertarian. Now he's running as a Republican in Missouri. And he does live streams all the time. Today he did a live stream because they raised $100,000 in a certain amount of time. And he sang 
Great Balls of Fire, which was very entertaining. Right. But I've never seen a candidate for, like, U.S. Senate do that before. Right. Well, and I I think what it does, because the the nice thing about that, the emergence of this style of candidacy, is that you can't, you can, you can put on an act for a little while, Mm -hmm. for an hour maybe, for two, but... When you are exposed at that level past a certain point of time, you can't pretend forever. Sooner or later, who you really are and what you really think and what your values truly are is going to manifest in in your interactions. And that has has the promise of potentially delivering us a better, a a higher – quality of discourse because we'll be dealing we'll be dealing with people rather than products yeah and i think at first there's going to be some growing pain yeah absolutely and you're going to get some interesting characters they're genuine maybe not great on policy but i think it's going to get to a point that the candidates we're getting are genuine and real people yes but they also are pretty decent on the policies as well right yeah, it's 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 like the you know throwing a stone in the pond in the ripples. You know, it's at some point the water of this transition is going to calm down and will center on people who who thread the needle of both being capable of handling themselves in this new digital plugged in twenty four seven environment and competent when mm-hmm. it comes to expressing the the policy proposals and the and the ideology. Right now, it, trying to find both intersecting with each other is is like a blue moon. It's a yeah, well, <laughs> it takes time. Yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> Closing argument. My name is Walter Hudson. Allie Eichmann, chair of the Minnesota Young Republicans, in studio with us tonight. 651-989-5855. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM, com. I used to be involved with a affiliate of the Republican Party. It was known as the Republican Liberty Caucus. Still is. We have its current chair, Xavier Bickett, on the program on a, on a semi-regular basis, about once a week or so. And uh, I remember what it was like to have to try to negotiate the, uh, I don't know, ex- ex- I can't think of a metaphor to evoke at the moment, but the tension between, on the one hand, being affiliated with the Republican Party and, on the other hand, mm-hmm. being part of a a in a effort, either overt or covert, to try to steer it, to try to encourage it to go in a particular <laughs> direction. And uh, we're going to test the the uh, negotiation capacity of Ali Eichmann, oh, our in-studio <laughs> guest, who's the chair of the Minnesota Young Republicans in that regard here on Closing Argument. My name is Walter Hudson, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM, 651-989-5855, the number to join us. And our... Our litmus test for this, it's I'm making it sound like it's all I'm like, worried. I yeah. don't know what he's about yeah, to right. say. Yeah, <laughs> right. I'm making it sound like it's all intimidating. It's really not that bad. Uh, I, the the situation here with the White House and Trump and the, the Trump Jr. stuff. From Politico, Donald Trump's legal team is trying to instill discipline on a white or on a West Wing not known for its discipline. The lawyers, people familiar with the internal discussions, say, are reminding White House aides and the president that the stakes are higher now that a special counsel and Congress are scrutinizing their every move, that small indiscretions could turn into bigger issues, and that they have to follow rules they don't like. 
Trump's legal team is attempting to separate the president from Donald Trump Jr. and the son's legal team on Russia matters, as well as from Jared Kushner and his legal team over concerns that the blurred lines could create unnecessary problems. According to these sources, they have tried to block Trump's warring band of aides from joining meetings with his lawyers, warning that they could become witnesses or be forced to hire lawyers if they attend. Trump, known for his freewheeling governing style, similarly wants many people in the room for such meetings and will sometimes ask lawyers for advice about people they do not represent, two West Wing aides said. At the same time, most West Wing aides don't yet have lawyers and some uh, sometimes have asked lawyers not representing them for guidance. I read these opening paragraphs of this article at Politico, and what comes to mind is is something resembling a scene out of Arrested Development, you know, where where every single individual in the room has their own individual lawyer, and they're all getting contrary advice all at the same time and not able to accomplish any like. If if the, if only this, let's say the Democrats fail at everything else, like they're not able to conjure any sort of criminal charges against anybody in the Trump administration, mm-hmm. uh, they're not able to win in 2018 and therefore move forward with impeachment. If all they accomplish is this, creating an atmosphere in the White House where people feel like they can't even talk about the weather without having their lawyer present, I feel as though they've succeeded in, in, some, in a significant way. Yeah, I don't I guess I would agree with you that that's a sort of success, but that's not that they they shouldn't think of that as a success. Our country is worse off if the people running it can't do their job. I, I agree. Absolutely. And it's just this whole thing is very irritating to me. No, you're right. I mean, and, and we've talked a little bit about that uh, before that the there's. In the zeal to win political victories against one's immediate opponent the the direction things are going is such hurt the people yeah you're 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 undermining the institution you're undermining the office itself to Mm -hmm. where you know you can't you can't get anything done and and if if that's the precedent that they set then get ready for it in return the Mm -hmm. next time they win and they're sitting there and and the net effect of that is going to be we're just going to have an ineffective government yeah. Which I suppose, you know, some of our if mutual— If the White House aides can't even do their job— Yeah, right. —then I have concerns. And it, this strikes me as largely kind of a human resources issue. Like, if you can't trust the people around you, which clearly they can't because every story that comes out is sourced as being linked to the administration or people in the administration. I wonder how many of those are actually true, though. I don't know. I don't know. But, I should ask well, CNN. But, but here's the thing. <laughs> We know some of them are because, for yeah. instance, this Donald Trump Jr. story was mm-hmm. sourced by people tied to with the administration. And, and we know that one's true because well, Trump Jr. <laughs> confirmed it. He right? tweeted out his own email. Yeah. So clearly there are leaks in the administration. Mm-hmm. I, they got to clean house. They got to do something. They got to do something. And it doesn't seem like there's much of a plan. And it, it doesn't bode well either for the the legislative agenda, whatever that is, going forward. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows what the legislative agenda actually is? And it certainly doesn't bode well, I think, for the for the party going forward. Mm-hmm. It's I, I wish I had something good to say about it. Yeah, I I don't have a lot of opinions on the specific email issue because I don't I don't understand the big deal, but. That's just me. But 
what it's done, all of this talk about it, and what you mentioned with nobody trusting anyone, everyone having a separate lawyer, it's just, I don't know what they can do to make it better at this point internally. Because mm-hmm. get a new HR department? I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, Trump is the HR department, there right? There needs to I be mean... someone besides Trump in the HR department. <laughs> Please. Uh, I feel like you could put that on a T-shirt, but it'd be, it'd be very awkward coming from, uh, from your group to do that. All right, so th- apparently, though, in spite of all this, uh, according to, what is this source here, uh, the Tennessean, there's a little piece of Russia in the heart of Trump County, USA. Uh, Ural's Russian-made motorcycles sit outside Mike... Mike's Cycle and Marine in Waynesboro, about 100 miles southwest of Nashville. Inside the shop's namesake, Mike Mitchell uses a wrench to crank a lug nut off a motorcycle. His wife, Debbie, smokes a cigarette in the office. After 37 years of working in Wayne County, Tennessee, Mike Mitchell loves bikes. He's met Russians and liked them, too. Mitchell isn't losing sleep over the scrutiny of President Trump's ties to Russia and revelations surrounding his son's meeting to get damaging information about Democrat rival Hillary Clinton. The The gist of this piece is nobody cares. Certainly amongst Trump's supporters, Trump's base, the people who voted for Trump, nobody cares. No. When we come back, I, I think I'm going to at least ask you whether or not any Minnesota young Republicans find themselves caring about any of this, and if so, to what degree. And we'll continue our analysis of the news with Allie Eichmann, chair of the, the Minnesota Young Republicans. My name's Walter Hudson. Closing argument, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 1035 FM, Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.